just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. We're in the early hours of Sunday, December 5th, and uh, got some snow outside. It's a little rare for Minnesota to not get snow till December 5th. Uh, We heard about a storm coming through. It's going to go mostly north of us, so we're going to get about an inch or two, which ain't shit in Minnesota. (laughs) You know, it's funny. You go to some of these southern states, and they get an inch or two, and the world is coming to an end, and they have to shut everything down. In Minnesota, you can get 6 to 12 inches, and it slows things down, certainly. But we have enough equipment and enough know-how that it gets cleaned off pretty quickly and you aren't buried for long. I remember one time I was in Washington, D.C. And uh, I was there for some conference or something. And I got there and it started snowing. I was out to dinner with some friends and they were getting a little nervous. It's snowing. I go, so the hell what? So what if it's snowing? Well, the fact of the matter is, it ended up snowing about eight or nine inches. Washington, D.C. isn't used to having snow like that, and people were losing their shit. Obviously, the conference was canceled, and I'm sitting there, and I have to get back home the next day, but nothing's moving. I mean, zero is moving. Eight or nine inches is a lot of snow, but it's not insurmountable when we're talking about Minnesota, so this seemed weird to me. People were out digging out cars, and I helped some folks do that. But I had to get a bus from my hotel to uh, the airport in D.C. Now, I talked to the lady who drives the bus. Now, some of the roads have been cleared. Some of the plows, they didn't have that many plows there, so they weren't really doing a good job. But the woman driving the bus said, I'm not driving in that shit. I'm not going. I said, but I got to get to the airport. You know, I'm not leaving for a while, but obviously it's very hard to get to the airport, so I need you to take me to the airport. (laughs) And she refused to do it. She absolutely refused to do it. I said, look, I'm from Minnesota. This ain't nothing. I can drive in this stuff. It's not a problem. How about this? You come with me. I drive to the airport. I'll drive the bus. And when I say bus, it's like a van or something. It wasn't really big. It wasn't going to be hard to drive. So I convinced her. I convinced her to allow me to do that, and we drove to the airport. No problems. You know, a little slippery here and there, but nothing I haven't seen in Minnesota. And I get there, and I go, wow, thanks very much. I'm at the airport now. I can catch my airplane. (laughs) And then it struck her. It struck her that, shit, I got to drive back. And she was scared to death. So I had to calm her down and explain to her what to do and what not to do. And she was frightened to death about driving back in the snow, back where we came from. Fortunately, I said, let me know that you made it. Text me or whatever you have to do. I can't remember if we had cell phones then or not. But, uh I checked on her, and she made it just fine. I get to the airport, and what happens? The airport's essentially shut down. I sit there for eight or nine hours doing nothing until my plane gets back. 
I get back to Minnesota, they got about two inches of snow, nothing changed. So unless we get some ridiculous amount of snow, I don't get too worried about it in this part of the country. Most people understand how it snows. However, on that first day, that first snow, it seems like the standard phrase that comes out of people's mouth is, I think people forgot to how to drive in the snow because it becomes a shit show, that first snow. It is like that every time. Eventually, people get used to it. They're very good at clearing the road, so it's not generally a problem. But those nights that it's snowing, it is hellish getting on the roadways, especially when you're on the roadways with a bunch of people who are scared. Nothing worth than driving around people that are scared while they're driving. That causes more problems than the people that are driving crazy sometimes. Anyway, let's talk about what's going on in the news. In, in, the, in the show yesterday, I was talking about the parents of Ethan Crumley. Now, Ethan Crumley is that 15-year-old boy that went into his high school with a semi-automatic pistol, a Sig Sauer 9mm, and killed four kids, wounded seven kids, and wreaked havoc on that school. Now, as much as he was charged with four counts of voluntary manslaughter, his parents were also charged with involuntary manslaughter. And basically, as we talked about in yesterday's podcast, they not only didn't do anything to stop him, they were so permissive with this fucking kid that uh, they gave him every opportunity to do it. I mean, this semi-automatic weapon was a present, an early Christmas present from mom and dad. Then mom and dad, all proud and loud, got up on social media, took a picture of the gun, and uh, talked about mom and son's day out. Apparently, the woman's the psycho of these two people. The man is more quiet and less, more of a follower. And mom is a leader, and she's a raging, Trump-humping piece of shit. Gun activists and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure she's the first one screaming about the Second Amendment rights, and we should be able to have all guns and do anything we want with them. Yeah, like having your son go into his high school and shoot his shoot his uh, fellow students. Yeah, you fucking piece of shit. So anyway, they get charged, and they go out on the run. They take off. They blow town. Now, at the time I talked to you yesterday during the podcast, they had not been caught. But now, shortly after that, I recorded that podcast, we found out that they were found, caught, and brought in to the police station. Now, where they found him, found them was some kind of industrial building hiding in the basement. Apparently, one of them came out to have a cigarette, and uh, that's how they got caught. Now, it's not surprising that they got caught because they're not clearly the sharpest people in the world. And they did get caught and brought in. Now, at this point, they're really not talking much, which is probably the smart thing to do. And people were worried about them getting bail so that they could take flight again. Clearly, they're a flight risk, given that they ran away from the police in the fucking first place. 
But they do give them bail. However, they give them $500,000 bail each. So a total of $1 million bail. That's going to be a little cost prohibitive. I think, uh, I think the way it works out is that you go to a bail bondsman if they are willing to give it to you. But I'd be hard-pressed to think anybody would be a bail bondsman for them if they've already run. But it would amount to putting 10% down on this bail of which I think they have to come up with at least 10 or 20% of that. So we're talking ten dollars or $20,000. These two don't like look like they have enough brains to rub two nickels together. So I, I'm sure it's going to be hard for them to come up with the money unless they put up their house or something. Now, if these two clowns get back on the street somehow and somehow come up with the money, it's going to be a problem because clearly they don't give a shit about their kid. They left their kid in jail alone, even though he's a murderer. If you're a parent, you'd want to be there for your kid, I would imagine. But they took off. Well, they're either in jail now or they'll be let out on bail, but maybe not. Maybe it's just too much for them and they'll stick it out in jail. But this family has a mom, a dad, the 15-year-old who is charged with four counts of voluntary manslaughter. And there's an 18-year-old boy, too. And I don't think the boy was with them in hiding. There was another person involved in this situation that was helping them. So he is a person of interest and might very well be charged, too, uh, as an accessory or aiding and abetting a criminal. We'll see what happens. But this is a very disappointing story. It says a lot about our society these days. And I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. The most of our problems in this country are caused by shitty parents, people who didn't raise their kids properly. And this isn't just about poor parents. This is about rich parents, too, as we can fucking clearly see. Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka. Eric Trump. Those fucking clowns weren't even raised by Donald because he didn't get involved. Now, I don't know how Mom Ivana did, but she was dumb enough to marry Donald Trump in the fucking first place, so I can't give her a lot of fucking credit. This case will go on for a while, I'm sure. This kid will go to jail. He's being tried as an adult, and he clearly walked into his school and blatantly shot and killed four kids, wounded seven kids. This guy is not going to get out of jail. Now, mom and dad are pleading not guilty. They might have a little more play uh, because they didn't actually shoot the gun, but they did provide the gun. They said the gun was locked up, but clearly it wasn't because he got a hold of the gun and he shot some kids. There's a bunch of negligence here. And uh, one of the big things, I had somebody say this to me in one of the comments in my TikTok. I was blaming the parents and the school to a certain extent. Because here you have a kid that is clearly has some violent ideas in his mind with the pictures and the words he wrote. Now, the parents knew there was a gun. And clearly they knew they didn't lock it up because... How did the kid get it? Now, this is a point 
and, and people say you shouldn't blame the the um, school administration for this, but I think there is some culpability there. I've told you my wife is a retired teacher, and one of the things that's happened over the years, the parents through the administration have essentially taken all, all power away from school districts. You can't punish kids. You can't reprimand kids. You can't say certain things to kids. Otherwise, there's a threat of a lawsuit. And that's kind of what happened here. The school said, we want you to take this kid out of school, put him in a uh, counseling, but we got to get him out of here. The parents said, no, we're not going to do that. We're just not going to do it. We're not going to let you do it. And because the school districts have gave up so much of their power, they have to fold and let the kids stay. But by letting the kids stay, he gets an opportunity to go shoot up the school. Now, had the school had more teeth and pushed these parents to do what they wanted by getting them out of the school, we could have saved four deaths and seven woundings. But that's a societal thing. You know, I've, I've talked to my wife about this many times. There are things where, and my wife was well-liked teacher because she was fair, but she was tough. Nobody fucked around with her because there were consequences. And that's the problem in our schools today. There are no consequences because the parents won't allow it. They'll threaten to sue. But my, my wife has told me about circumstances where a kid will do something against the rules or hurting another kid. She watched it happen. And then she'll bring the, the parents in and explain to them what happened. And the parents will just flat out say, uh, he didn't do that. Well, yes, he did do it. My son says he didn't do it, so he didn't do it. That's just the way it is. And my wife would say, look, I watched him fucking do it. And they wouldn't accept it. And the administration wouldn't back up the teachers. So if these kids have no consequences, and these parents thinks these kids are without fault and let them do anything, what do we expect will fucking happen in a school? Is it surprising we have a school shooting? Is it surprising we have kids acting out, bullying other kids, beating up or robbing other kids or robbing the school? It shouldn't be a surprise because these people, these children have been given free reign. The school district can't act on these kids because they're afraid of the parents and the parents are going to sue or go to the press or go to the media. So you see, we've got a whole fucked up system here. This is why a kid who has violent thoughts and obviously has some emotional problems can stay in a school with a gun and shoot people up. So you might say to me, well, it's not the school's fault. And, um, yeah, I, I get it, man. It's the parents. But at some point, if you're running a business or an organization, you have to have rules and you have to abide by them. You can't be afraid about um, parents suing or causing a, uh, an uproar. I mean, the bottom line is you got to have rules. You got to stick to the rules regardless of who bitches about it. But that's a problem in our school districts, and that's why I kind of hold them responsible. They need to be stronger with their 
accountability and their rules and such. And they're just not. They're afraid of parents. But again, first it's the schools because they allow the parents to bully them. <clears throat> but it all goes back to shitty parents. And that's what we've got in these two. So they're in jail now. We'll see what happens with it. I'll keep you posted as I learn more about it. And since we're talking about schools, I wanted to bring something up. You've been hearing this a lot. Critical race theory. Now, especially in Virginia with the new governor, he's saying, I am going to forbid critical race theory in our public schools. (laughs) It's kind of funny, actually, and I'll get back to that in a moment. But what is critical race theory? It is a way of understanding how American racism has shaped public policy or a divisive because it pits people of color against white people. It's basically a study to try to figure out how racism affects how we interact every day. Now, the new governor of Virginia and some of the other representatives in Virginia and people around the country are all up in arms about teaching critical race theory in our schools. They keep ranting about it. They keep talking about it. But here's the fucking deal. Critical race theory isn't taught in any school in America. It just isn't. It's a fucking dog whistle. It's getting people who are white that are racist saying, yeah, we don't want that. (laughs) And is it really critical race theory that they don't want in their schools? Some people think that they don't want the history of people of color, whether they be Native American, black, Asian, whatever. They don't want that history talked about. Now, they don't say that outright, but they hate critical race theory. And since that's not even being taught, what in fact do they mean? And it's got to be mean, mean anything where it depicts white people that have been problematic to people of color. Well, we know that's happened. If you grew up in the 60s, you know all about the civil rights. You saw what happened. You saw Derek Chauvin kneel on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes and murder him in the street on fucking videotape. It occurs. We know about slavery. We know about the internment camps for the Asian people during World War II. We know how Native Americans were robbed, cheated, and stole from when white people came to this country and proceeded across the West. That shit all happened. That's part of our history. And for whatever reason, these people don't want our schools talking about it. But what's that old axiom? It says, never forget your history because you may be doomed to repeat it. And now we're seeing a perfect illustration of that. They want to believe that racism doesn't exist, that it's never been a problem. It's not a problem now. But what are we seeing? more fucking racism. For years and years and years, white people thought it was getting better. But it really wasn't getting better. It was just hidden or not talked about it. Donald Trump comes in. He brings these dirtbags to the surface and makes them feel comfortable in talking out loud. And that's where we are now. That's why we have white supremacist groups all over this country causing problems, mounting insurrections against our own U.S. capital. 
You would have never seen that during the Obama years, the Bush years, the Clinton years. You just wouldn't have seen it. It just wouldn't have happened. People haven't been charged. And what are they charged by? They're charged by racism. The racists now feel comfortable speaking about it. And then you get our politicians ranting and raving about how how people of color are trying to take control of our country. And that fucking freaks them out. So so now they feel like they've got to fight back. They've got to push back. And that's where we are. They will tell you they're trying to ban critical race theory from our schools. Critical race theory isn't being taught in our schools at all. So they mean something vastly different. They mean, we don't want to hear about all the bad things that white people did to people of color. Too fucking bad. That is the history. And if we don't let people know what the history is, we're going to do it all over again. And that is just not fucking acceptable. Just not acceptable at all. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So the big news in the media is about Chris Cuomo of CNN. He was suspended for an undetermined amount of time. And yesterday, he was flat-out fired. Apparently, what CNN did, they hired a law firm to investigate what Chris Cuomo was doing. Apparently, it was egregious enough that CNN felt empowered to fire Chris Cuomo. Now, what's he guilty of? Well, what he's guilty of, they call him a journalist, and I don't call Chris Cuomo a journalist. There aren't too many journalists out there anymore. A true journalist wouldn't offer up any opinion at all. They would simply put out the facts and let you decide what you think. They don't do that on Fox. They don't do that on Newsmax. And they don't do it on CNN and MSNBC. They're always giving opinions. And there's a cardinal rule about giving opinions or not being objective if you're a true journalist. For us old folks, you would have never seen Walter Cronkite give an opinion. Because that wasn't his job. He was a true journalist. He gave us the facts, and we decided what we wanted to think about it. He didn't hide any facts. He didn't expand on any facts. He gave us all the facts. I mean, that's the problem with Fox and Newsmax and OAN and all these places. They only tell people what they want to hear and don't tell them all the facts. That's why these people are ignorant to what's going on in this country. They've only heard what they've been fed, and they certainly aren't going to listen to CNN or MSNBC and get another side. They only get one side, and it is a racist, uh, lying, piece-of-shit side. Now, Chris Cuomo, many of us might align with Chris Cuomo. And the interesting thing is that on CNN, he is probably the uh, most popular guy on CNN. His show was the most popular guy on CNN. But now his brother, Andrew Cuomo, is the governor of New York. Now, Andrew Cuomo is known as being a piece of shit a womanizer, a harasser, a bully, all these sorts of things. And now Andrew Cuomo gets into trouble, and he ultimately has to resign. But prior to resigning, and maybe after, I don't know, 
Chris Cuomo landed a hand to helping his brother figure out ways to strategize and message his position so he didn't have to resign or it doesn't ruin his life. Now, I'll grant you, Chris Cuomo is Andrew Cuomo's little brother. And there's a certain amount of responsibility of uh, helping your family. That should be your number one priority. However, if you're on TV telling news stories that might or might not be part of the Andrew Cuomo story, or if you're telling us other stories, if you're helping a known predator to get off, even if he is your brother, how can we trust you on this other stuff? Clearly, you are tainted here. You are telling us what you think is right with your brother. You're telling your brother what to do to try to avoid the penalties and being accountable for the things he did. So this takes away all of Chris Cuomo's credibility, his integrity, and they had no choice but to hire or fire him. Now, the thing about Chris Cuomo that maybe people don't know is Chris Cuomo has had his own run-ins and own problems with sexual harassment. There's been a number of them. And when I watch Chris Cuomo on TV, I used to like him a lot because he seemed to tell the truth and be strong about what he was saying. But as I hear more about Chris Chris Cuomo and uh, Andrew Cuomo, I realize their father was the governor of New York at one time. He was quite powerful. He had a lot of money. The Cuomo family has a lot of money. And what we're looking at with Chris Cuomo and probably Andrew Cuomo is some entitled rich kids that think they can do whatever the fuck they want and then use their money to get out of trouble. Well, I don't want to hear from those kind of fucking people. Those people are some of the worst people on this earth. And when I look at Chris Cuomo, he's popular, he's well-spoken, he's intelligent, he's a good-looking guy. But he always seems like that cocky kid at school that nobody fucking likes because he's such an arrogant, narcissistic piece of shit. Now, I don't know if Chris Cuomo is narcissistic, but I'd be willing to bet he is, given we know where he came from, we know what he looks like on TV, and we know that he has some sexual harassment problems. Sexual harassment issues are often something narcissists do because they think they're so important and how could anybody deny them anything? They hold this position of power. You should be lucky to be abused or harassed by me. That's the mentality. So the fact that Chris Cuomo was fired doesn't surprise me. And I think it's a good move. These people have to be put in their place. They have to be accountable for the things they do. Now, on the flip side, we've got the Tucker Carlson's. We've got the Hannity's. How much did Hannity and Tucker Carlson help Donald Trump with trying to message things? Whether they were talking to him directly or not, and I think they were, when they were on the air, they told lies. They gave racist dog whistles. They did everything they could to support Donald Trump. 
these guys don't get fired. These guys don't even get reprimanded. Sometimes they'll lose sponsors, but even still, they'll keep them on the air because they're very popular. So you have to give CNN some credit. They took their most popular broadcaster, and because he did what he did, they just flat out fired him. That may cost them a lot of money, depending on who they uh, replace him with. But at least they did it. There was a problem. Chris Cuomo was compromised. They got his ass out of there, which was the right move. Whether it was the best financial move or the best move for ratings, who cares? This is about what's right and wrong. Chris Cuomo was wrong. He needs to go. And that's what they did. You got to give them credit for that. Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, they don't do that. These fucking people lie every day. They put people in danger by telling them that COVID is a hoax. 800,000 people died. That is on the shoulders of Donald Trump and the people at Fox News, Tucker Carlson and Hannity. And it's still on their shoulders because they keep fucking doing it. What's that tell you about Fox News, OAN and Newsmax? They are an enemy of this country. Chris Cuomo's a bad guy. CNN at least got him out the hell out of there. And I'll be honest with you, CNN is not my favorite source of information. I watch them rarely. But at least they did the right thing. You'll never see Fox News or the others do the right thing because it doesn't matter about what's right. All that matters is what makes money, what gets viewers. And the sad thing is the people that watch them don't know this. They think what they are hearing is flat-out journalistic news. Now, this has been told before, but I'll say it again. Fox News is a misnomer. Fox News is not news at all. Fox News is listed or registered as an entertainment company, not a news company. And they do that for a reason. Because now, as a non-news company, they aren't uh, responsible for some of the criteria or the uh, expectations of a news channel. CNN is a news channel, whether you like them or not. Fox News is not. Tucker Carlson gets himself in a bind about some lie he told on the air. And what's he say? He says, no reasonable viewer would believe anything I say. Tucker Carlson admits that he's a liar, that he's just putting on a show, that this isn't news at all. But even though he comes out and says that, the people who watch him still think he's the absolute source for news. There's no accounting for stupidity, and we have a lot of stupidity in this country. It's almost disappointing to understand how many people are fucking stupid in this country. But it's absolutely true. There's tons and tons of stupid people, and they will follow anybody that they particularly like or say the words or the dog whistles they like and believe everything they say. Donald Trump is a perfect example of that. Things coming out about Donald Trump are going to get people questioning that. And it may take a little time to roll it all out, but trust me, there's going to come a point when people walk away from Donald Trump because now he's a liability instead of a benefit. That's why people stick with him. He's a benefit in votes or in viewership or whatever. 
But that time is coming to an end because he's becoming exposed for who he is, the joke he is. It's just a matter if these people can recover after they walk away from him because they're going to have the stink of Donald Trump and the Republican Party on them forever. All right, we had this uh, other situation, Jeffrey Clark, the uh, deputy attorney general that uh, was writing, drafting letters that was to go out to swing states to get them to stop their counting of the elector of the votes and ultimately the delegates of the electoral votes because they were claiming that there was massive fraud, which wasn't true. It was a flat out lie. And he drafted these letters and they went up to uh, the AG and he said, no, we're not doing that, which was the smart thing to do. Now, the thing about it is, is Jeffrey Clark was supposed to comply with the subpoena. He did not. And then at the very last moment, he says, all right, all right, I will, but I'll claim the fifth. And he was supposed to show up Saturday. But apparently some sickness, some illness, some medical problem said he needed more time, which in my mind was probably a delay tactic. We've been watching this guy do nothing but delay as every other Republican fucking does. So now they've rescheduled it for the 16th of December. So we're looking at, uh, well, it's the 5th today, so we're looking at 11 days he's supposed to testify. But when he does testify, he is going to plead the 5th. And we talked about what's going to happen with that, and we'll see what happens with it. But an interesting bit of information came out. I don't know if I mentioned it yesterday or not, but it's worthy of being mentioned again. One of the things that uh, the select committee and the DOJ have are the letters that he wrote, the drafts that he wrote to ultimately send to the swing states that never happened. The thing about these are digital products. So somehow they've been looking in on these letters and these digital products, and they found metadata from the White House, meaning the White House probably created it originally, or at least parts of it originally, then sent it over to Jeffrey Clark because he was in the DOJ, and the DOJ had the authority to tell these states to stop counting. That adds an interesting part to this story, because Jeffrey Clark certainly is a criminal. What he did was criminal. And what they want to find out when they depose him is, who was he talking to at the White House? Because we know He was talking to somebody at the White House. It could have been Trump. could have been Mark Meadows. It could have been anybody, Jared Kushner. But they want to know who that is. Now, when he'd sit down, if he ever did talk, he would say, I didn't talk to anybody from the White House. He'd try to cover for Donald Trump. Well, now he can't do that because clearly the White House did have something to do with those letters. And uh, it implicates... Donald Trump or somebody in his administration in crafting these letters. That's a big deal. That's absolute proof that somebody from the White House was instructing Jeffrey Car- or Jeffrey Clark to do exactly what he did. That tells us that it's not just Jeffrey Clark acting out of stupidity. 
He's acting after being directed by somebody from the White House. And when they connect that with the White House, there's some big legal problems. And the fact that they can prove it, Donald Trump is in fucking trouble over that. Now, next thing we've got coming up, which is interesting, is Joe Biden is going to have a meeting with Vladimir Putin over video, not in person, some point next week. I don't don't know if this is his first time or not, but it's going to be totally different than what we saw when Donald Trump met with Vladimir Putin. We don't know what they talked about because for some reason, when Donald Trump went in to talk to Vladimir Putin, it was behind closed door. No media was involved. Nothing was ever released about what they talked about. The question always has been, why was it secret? And if it's secret, what are they talking about? We know that Donald Trump was Vladimir Putin's bitch. Vladimir Putin was probably pulling the strings on Donald Trump. We now know that there's absolute proof that uh, the Russians were meddling in the 2016 election, and they were doing it to benefit Donald Trump. So either either way, there's some way these two men are in cahoots. And that doesn't smell right for America, for an American president. Now, Joe Biden is going to talk to Putin, and one of the topics they're going to talk about is the Ukraine. Now, we know that... Um, Putin and the Russians are putting pressure on the Ukraine. Ultimately, they want to invade, take it over, and make it part of theirs again, like it was when they were the USSR. Now, they've tried this before, and they've been pushed back. All the time Donald Trump was in office, all he did is help them do whatever the fuck they want. But now that Joe Biden's in the mix, now that Joe Biden is the president, you can be assured that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Joe knows Vladimir Putin. He's dealt with him before when he was vice president. He knows he's a bad actor in this world. He knows that they are our adversary, and you can't deal with them like your buddies. Getting along with Vladimir Putin is not a good thing in spite of what Donald Trump said, because Vladimir Putin is an animal. If he thinks you're being nice to him, he sees it as a weakness, and he will use it against you. He will not be nice to you, not ultimately. He may act like he's being nice to you, but he'll take advantage of you being nice and fucking run you through the ringer, which is what they've done, because Donald Trump is a fucking puss. He's a kiss-ass. So now Joe Biden's going to talk to him about the Ukraine. We know that there's... um, they're amassing uh, weapons near the Ukraine border. We know there's all kinds of talk about it, and we're even hearing rumors that uh, Russia is definitely going to do it. So now Joe Biden has to get on there and kind of be the intermediary and slow down Vladimir Putin and the Russians. Now, we're not going to go to war with them over this. That makes no sense. Ukraine's not even in NATO at this point, so there's a lot of limitations of what Americans can do. We can help them with weapons and money and that sort of thing, but we're not going to send people in there to fight the Russians. It's just not going to happen. But he can go to Vladimir Putin and say, look, dipshit, if you want to pull this stuff, we're going to start 
putting in some hard sanctions, money, um, import and export things. We're going to make life difficult for you. And other countries around them will do the same thing. The important thing to remember is that Russia, while they are a big nuclear power, they're a fucking mess internally. Their economy is shit. The people don't like Vladimir Putin. As much as this is a big country and it's adversarial to us, it's in a lot of fucking trouble. It's shaky. It's unstable. So the last thing they need is people stop sending them things. Stop importing things from them. Putting all kinds of sanction on them. And that's what Joe Biden's going to do. He's going to do this the right way. He's going to get tough with these people. And he's going to make sure that they see the pressure, feel the pressure. And they're going to think twice about invading the Ukraine. Last thing I want to talk about real quickly, and this is kind of funny. We've been hearing about Trump's social media platform. Now, we've seen a couple of examples of it. One was essentially a blog. It was a joke. Nobody read it, mainly because it was just words. And Trump's people, Trump's followers, aren't big on reading. And they don't know a lot of good words like Donald Trump has. So the fact of the matter is, is that did no good. So now he wants to start another platform to compete with Twitter. Now, the stories we're hearing are fine, but you never know when it comes to Donald Trump what's true and what's not fucking true. But the story says uh, that the group that's working with Donald Trump for this new company, Trump Media and Technology Group, have agreements for up to $1 billion in capital from institutional investors. The goal here is to take Donald Trump, create this platform like others have tried and have failed miserably, Mike Lindell, for example. They're going to do this and try to compete with Twitter. Now, what people have to understand is money isn't enough to compete with somebody like Twitter. To be perfectly honest with you, if you're going to come up with an app like TikTok or Twitter, you're going to have to add something to it. You're going to have to make it better. You're going to have to get lucky enough to have it catch on. Now, here's the problem. Donald Trump's base is maybe 30, 32% of this country. That's not enough to compete with fucking anything, including an election. So he's going to try to do this, dump billions of dollars into it, if that's even true. And he's going to try to compete with Twitter, and he's going to try to go on his own name to get all these followers. Well, there aren't as many followers as he thinks that are going to follow his app. But, you know, you want to fucking try it. You want to put up a billion dollars and take a shot because Donald Trump is this uh, fucking bomb ready to go off. Go ahead, do it. But keep in mind something I've said all along and many people have said, everything Donald Trump touches fucking fails. Everything. The presidency, his hotel in D.C., the casinos in New Jersey, the state company, the college, all this shit just fucking fails. Because it's all about him trying to grift money and it doesn't grow the business. It doesn't build a business. It just puts money in his pocket, and that's what this is going to be. 
If he thinks he's going to compete with Twitter, he's fucking mistaken. I don't care if you put $5 billion into it. You can put as much money into something, but if it's a piece of shit, it's a piece of shit, and all you've done is lost a lot of money. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this, how it evolves, and if it actually even happens. Because I would question whether he's got billions, a billion dollars in investments from people, because people are smarter than that. But here's the most important thing, and the last thing I'll leave you with on this. You put all this money in the platform. You're hoping Donald Trump can take you to the top, make a lot of money, and have a successful platform. Well, Donald Trump may not even be fucking available because you got Georgia with a grand jury. You got New York, who's probably going to indict Donald Trump because he's all that's left in his company in New York. Plus, they're already looking at some of the crazy fucking criminal shit he did in business, and it's all illegal. He gets indicted or he is found part of this insurrection. His career, his life, his perception is fucking over. And it's going to happen. So you could put a billion dollars into this app, but as I said before, when this all comes out, he gets exposed, and it will. It has to. Nobody is going to want to be associated with Donald Trump. No politicians, most voters, people running a business or putting billions of dollars into him. He's not going to be worth it. So you go ahead and do it. First, you got to hope he stays out of jail or stays out of trouble. You got to hope he doesn't try to grift all the money in his pocket. And then you got to hope against hope that you get lucky enough to come up with something that people are fucking actually interested in. And it ain't going to happen. So these folks who invested a billion dollars, if in fact they did, Good luck, because you're going to fucking lose it, and you're going to look stupid in the process. All right, we're going to wrap things up for another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending time. If you have questions or comments or complaints, by all means, email me at uh, rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm and... uh, You can leave a voicemail, find Rational Boomer Podcast, leave a voicemail. Now, I do have a couple of emails I'll include in the next podcast coming up tomorrow. So be sure to stick with us here on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.